0: Weeks ago, We shared about David in position for victory, making sure that you're in the position that God has for you, because if you're in that position, there's going to be things coming against you. There's going to be some great upheaval. There may be some people standing against what you believe and what you say, but you'll always come through and you'll have the victory that David was courageous, that he was bold. And, you know, God just began to give me uh, three or four people here over this month, this last uh, end of June and 1st of July, and just began to show me things about their life in the Bible that we can apply in our own life. Usually what that means for me, and I don't know for you, but for me that usually means I'm about to face something and God's preparing me. He doesn't usually prepare me after the thing. If I've not listened, he'll teach me a lesson after the thing. But he usually tries to prepare me before that thing and just like uh, the church just like uh, you see on tv Just like maybe you hear on a on a cd or watching a dvd somewhere You're sitting there in your kitchen just minding your own business listening to krefflo dollar or kenneth copeland or somebody And they're sharing something joyce meyer's speaking and it sounds like she's talking directly to you Like she's speaking right into your life right into your kitchen That's usually because god's trying to get your attention he knows where you are, he knows what's going on, and he wants to impart to you the things that you need because there's something coming that maybe you don't know about that if you had advanced warning, you could either avoid or you could have the tools it takes to go through. So that's what God gave me for these next last couple of weeks, maybe a couple more here. But that, that was David two weeks ago, and we shared about position for victory. And last week we talked about Gideon and that Gideon had to have these revolutionary thoughts. He had to change his mind because God was trying to tell him that he was a mighty man of valor, but life was telling him that he was nothing but lowest of the low. And when God speaks something to you, you have to begin to change what you think. You can't see yourself anymore the way you did. Even if you think pretty highly of yourself, or at least you feel like you're doing something okay, God's going to speak something beyond where you are today. He always takes us to another level. So your thought life has to go to that level. Your prayer life has to go to that level. You have to come to that level in your life. You have to see yourself that way. Gideon could not have had the victory that he had still thinking that he was the lowest of the low. That in that position when God said it, he said, I'm going to give you the victory. Will I not be with you? You will go as one man and you will defeat them. And Gideon had to believe that that was true. That God was a God of his word and that if he spoke that about him, then that must be who he is. A lot like Abraham when he told him, you're going to have a child. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm sure he began to think of himself as, like, hey, I'm the number one dad. He might have got himself a mug, maybe a t shirt, said, number one dad. You know, maybe, I, I don't know what he did. You know, he probably sent funny dad emails to everybody. You know, he did all that kind of stuff. And everybody's going, but he doesn't he didn't have any kids. What's he got to, hey, I'm number one dad? Because God said, he didn't have one sitting at home he didn't you know he didn't have anybody to give him a, a cup or a mug on father's day he didn't have an ugly tie given to him I mean, it wasn't any of that kind of stuff but but he would have done it for himself because he believed what god said that's why it says that he had a that's why he said he had isaac in the end because he believed god immediately when god spoke he changed his mind from being the guy that doesn't have an heir and a wife who was barren and they're past that childbearing years to okay well god must be changing a few things around hey Sarah, you looking good today we're gonna have a baby I mean, immediately he turned, and that was the direction that he went. So, hey, that's what God was doing. He was on board. Are we on board like he was, like Gideon is? When God's speaking those things to you, maybe about your finances or about healing, maybe about your children or your family, the places that you find yourself. You know what the Word says, and you know what God's been speaking to you in your heart. Many times we ignore it because we don't want to go up there. We don't want to be stretched to another level, so we pretend we don't hear. We walk around with our hands on our ears saying, I just wish God would talk to me. I just wish God would talk to me, and God's just patiently standing there waiting for you to take your ears down, and he says the same thing, and you put your hands back on your ears. I found God doesn't change what he's saying until I listen to what he said. Once I listen to what he said, then he begins to maybe change the direction, or change the thing, or take me to a new place. We cry for a new place all the time. You got to get rid of, the, you got to get through the old place first before you go to the new place. And so the, the word that God gave me tonight was, uh, was about Peter. And, and as I was just praying today and, and sharing just a little bit about Peter, I shared a couple weeks ago, you know, he's been this thing that Peter was the most improved player on the team. You know, that he was the comeback player of the year because he'd had a disaster in his life, but then he came back and just really knocked it out of the park. And that you may have struck out before in your life, but you'll be able to hit a home run. Just get back up to the next time with your bat. Don't strike out, then go sit in the dugout, pout, and then quit. When you strike out, be mad, get upset, be tenacious, and say, oh, I can't wait to get up there the next time. Now, that's what Peter, you know, he had, a little, he had a little hard time. But here's the deal about Peter. He, he boldly declared the truth. Now, he boldly declared crazy stuff, too. He, he was just kind of out there bold. And you've got to kind of understand who he was. Because I think if you, if you hear this, 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 my interpretation of who Peter was, you know, they said that he was impetuous, that it was impetuous Peter. And impetuous means to be impulsive. Characterized by sudden or rash actions or emotions. Now, how many am I reading your mail right there? That's who you are, Mike. You're fiery. I'm a touch fiery. You know, I mean, I can I can act out a little bit. Maybe I, I I sometimes have been known. Thanks, Bill. A little, just a little. I have been known in the past to be a little rash. Maybe to speak a little bit faster than what I should. To say something maybe that I wouldn't have said had I taken a second and thought about it. Um, and that's who Peter was. See, that, that's, it said he was impetuous. It said he was the guy who kind of talked and, and shared. He was, always, he was always fiery about what was going on. Now, see, he was a fisherman. Not like me sitting on the dock with my feet in the water just with a pole like this. He's like deadliest catch fisherman. He's the tough guy. I mean, that, that, they had big boats, and they took these nets. And then they, they'd heave these nets out, and they'd bring in the fish. They didn't have they didn't have all the modern conveniences we have today. They didn't have cranes. They didn't have all those things. They had manpower. And that's what the fisherman did. He did that day in, day out. I'm sure he was built. I'm sure he had a fine physique, much like myself. I'm sure he was very tan. But he, he, he was impetuous. When Jesus came and he saw him, and he said, Come on, now you're going to be fishers of men. What did he do? He, he didn't, like, think about it. He says he dropped the nets and followed Jesus. He was compelled maybe on the inside, but he, but he was that kind of guy. He, he, was, he was the guy who had a tendency to act quickly. And he went after that thing. When Jesus came and called him, he just went off the boat, left his stuff behind, and followed Jesus. And many of the times as he went, you saw good things. That was a good thing in his life. Being impetuous doesn't necessarily always mean bad. When good happens, you're also very quick to jump to that too. See, when there's good stuff, you jump quick. And when there's bad stuff, you tend to jump quick. So if you can just make less of the bad, more of the good, it's going to work. See, because we say when God speaks, act. When God tells you it's time, go. When he says speak, speak. When he say, see, those are the things that God wants us to do, to be obedient. He says instant obedience. So that, that, that kind of followed the line of Peter. But the problem is he had to, he had to curb that other side, just like us. No different. But, you know, when, when Jesus came walking to them in the water in Matthew in chapter 14, who was the guy who jumped out of the boat? Peter. He's the one who saw him It said everybody thought he was a ghost. But Peter said, Master, is that you? If it's you, bid me, come. He's up on the edge. He wants to be a part of what's going on. And Jesus said, come. And he said, okay. Now, when he got out, he looked around, saw the wind, saw the waves, and saw those things. It was a little boisterous. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink a little bit. Jesus picked him up. But who was the guy on the boat? Everybody else else was scared it was a ghost. But see, Peter was the guy who said, hey, hey, if that's you, man, let's go. Come on, pick me, pick me, pick me. Now, how many of us are doing that kind of, how many of us are impetuous that way? God, come on, wake up in the morning. Pick me, God. Pick me, I want to do it. I want to do it. See, we need somebody to do this in the, in the house of the Lord. We need somebody to do this. We need somebody to take out the trash. We need somebody to clean the bathrooms. We need somebody to do something over here. We need somebody to drive the vans. We need somebody to do whatever that is. We need to go to the nursing homes. Reach out to the youth. Do something over here in the children's department. Who's me, 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 me. Pick me, pick me. See, so that's impetuous on that good side. But, you know, he was the one in the, in the garden of, of Gethsemane when, when they came. And, they, and, and, and Jesus was, was standing there. and He's praying. And he comes back. And the disciples are asleep. And all of a sudden, all the soldiers come. And they go to they go to arrest Jesus and take him. Who's the one that pulled the sheath and cut the ear? Peter. Why? Because that's the first thing he thinks of. I gotta protect him. See, the first thing that he does, that's, see, he's he's the first guy to do those kind of things. He's impetuous. See that, and, and how many of I, I think in our lives, I think we are that way at times. I know in my life, I haven't always been that way. The positive side, I've been that way a little bit more on the negative side that when things come, I'm quick to say the wrong thing. To confess we're going down, the ship's sinking. (laughs) Instead of saying, well, is this you, God? Bid me come? I'm thinking, no way, I don't want to do that. See, we go the other way. When when they said that Jesus was, was crucified, then he rose again, they came and told him, what did it say that, that he did? It said he ran to the tomb. Everybody else said, what, really, he's alive? And it said Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to see him. When he saw him and, the, and he was on the, on the shore and it was, it was just that time when they were out fishing and doing their thing and Jesus called to him, told him where to do their thing and fish and get the fish and they all looked around and said, it's him, it's him. What did he do? He didn't wait for the boat to come to shore. It says he put on his tunic and jumped out of the boat and swam to shore. Why? Because it's on the inside of him. See, he, could, he, couldn't, he couldn't wait. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't be the way. And he's like, I, 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 I got to go. I got to go. That's Jesus. Y'all paddling too, should be, you know. But then again, he was also the guy who, who got in some trouble too. It caused him just as much trouble as it was good. He said a few things that he shouldn't have said. In Matthew in chapter 16, she'll put this up there real quick. I love this because if you think about it, it's, you know, I mean, now you know who he is, see, now now you got a feeling this is this guy, he's tan, he's strong, he's doing his thing, but he's really got, he's got a lot of fire, he's got a lot of energy and passion on the inside of him, and he's not real sure what the passion's about, but he's trying to, and here it says, from that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and and if if you read this, this is just after, and this is neat, because it's just after Jesus said, who do you, who do men say that I am? And they said, who do you say that I am, Simon Peter? He said, I say that you're the Christ. And he said, good for you. Gives him a gold star for the day and says, nice job, you answered correctly. And I'm sure Peter said, "Uh uh-huh. Where are all you guys? I said it right. He was happy. He got it right. That's the way the impetuous people are like that. You have a tendency to think about you. You have a tendency to think about, I could do that. Now, I know this because that's, kind of, that's kind of my personality, see? So I, I kind of, I have a tendency to think, yeah, I know where my skill is. But you got to realize it's, it's him, not you. And he was very excited about that. Peter was excited. But then it goes on and it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, that he must be killed and be raised the third day. But then it says, Peter took him aside and he began to correct him in his theology. That I don't think that's true, sir. Let me help you out. I know you called me off the boat. And I know I'm following you. But come here, I think you're just off a little bit here, sir. And so he began he began to correct Jesus. It says he began he began to rebuke him. He began to tell him, I don't think that's the way it should be. He took him aside and he said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shouldn't happen. You need to fix your confession, sir. You're gonna reap what you sow. We need to change the way we talk, right? That's what you've been teaching us. You've been teaching us to watch out with the things that we say. You've been teaching us about faith. I just want to help you out here because you're starting to go the wrong way. But see, he's impetuous. So it wasn't probably the greatest decision that he made. So his mouth got him in a little bit of trouble. But but he, you know, that's just, that's kind of who he is. And Jesus rebuked him, told him to get out of here, called him Satan i'm sure that hurt his feelings i'm sure he didn't like that who likes that when somebody corrects you in that in that particular position especially when they're right and you should be corrected that's hard but if you look in mark in chapter 14 he was the one who stood up and we know peter because he denied three times you know and that's the thing that we tend to focus on we don't always focus on the things that he did really well sometimes we focus on the fact that he he, he broke down three times and, and gave up and then you know we know he was restored but that's sometimes the mark on him but he did a lot of good stuff before but his mouth did get him in trouble you got to watch the things that you're saying that's why when i say we got to boldly proclaim the truth don't boldly proclaim what you think boldly proclaim the truth there's a difference Now, if you're meditating the word of God, if you're meditating his will for your life and what he's speaking to you by the spirit, then then those are the things that you boldly proclaim. Some of them to others, some of them just to yourself. God is speaking things to you for you to proclaim and meditate about you that maybe nobody else needs to know right now. You don't need to go out and tell every stranger your whole life. You don't have to get your prayer journal out and read every page to them. Some of that stuff's just for you. Some of that stuff's God's trying to build something on the inside of you. But you boldly proclaim it just like you do the others. And in Mark, in chapter 14, he's the one who said in in verse 27, he told him, Jesus said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. But Peter said in verse 29, even if all are made to stumble, I won't. Now, see, we know the rest of the, t- the story, so we know, you know. But, but he, he, even in that point, he even stood up and said, me, I won't. Because he goes on then, and Jesus said, yes, you will, buddy. You'll do it three times. And he said, he spoke more vehemently, which means he raised his voice even more. He was even more adamant. I have to hit my hand right now, because if I do the button, this will fall off, because I broke it on Sunday. So it's going to be fixed tomorrow, so we're all good. But I've got I to gotta do this. It's not nearly as, as, as tough as smacking that, but I... I just make, boom! See, it made a really bad sound when I did that. But it, see, it comes off. It's, I hit it really hard. But as he said, he said it more vehemently, if I, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. He spoke that boldly in front of Jesus and everybody. When he told Jesus, you got it wrong, sir, he said it boldly because that's the way he talked. That's who he was. When I say the wrong thing, I usually say it full force. I may not be the only one, I hope, you know, that does that. But, you know, when I put my foot in my mouth, I'm, I'm knocking teeth out because I'm doing it both feet and I'm doing it really well. I'm usually pushing with my hands. And, and, and that happens. See, but in the heat of the moment, when it all came down to it, what did he do? See, it's it's a lot about what you meditate, it's a lot about what you say, but you know, when when it really comes to the rubber and the road type thing, it's what do you do? And and when the rubber met the road here in Luke, in in chapter 22, Jesus Jesus gave up three times, or uh, uh, Peter gave up three times. And he said, I don't know the man. Now when they, they had all kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And then it says, and a certain servant girl seeing him as he sat by the fire looked intently at him and said, this is the man. They they turned their attention to him now. Now see, he was the impetuous one. He liked the intention. He didn't mind the attention. He was the one who said, pick me out of the boat. He was the one that took Jesus aside. He was the one, see, he was the one who cut off the ear. He didn't mind the attention. But then all of a sudden now the heat is on him and now he doesn't like the attention. Because now his actions have to line up with what his heart was saying. And so in that moment, in that place, as she talked to him, he began, he began to fail. He began to go down. And then all of a sudden it said, but he, he denied. He said, he said, woman, I do not know him. And then after a little while, another one saw him and said, you're also with him. And Peter said, ma'am, I, I, man, I am not with him. He's getting more emphatic each time. We talked about this around Easter time. I shared this and we played the video about, you know, Peter and, and Jesus and or John and Jesus, and, or Peter and Jesus. So that, that, we, we, already, we already went through that. But it says, then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was also with me. He said, no, it's not me. I do not know what you're saying. And when, in, in, in a Mark, I think it says that he began to swear and he began to curse. He was so upset that somebody would be accusing him of this, although it is the truth. He couldn't live up to it at that moment the place where he really boldly could have declared the truth there and really made his actions stand firm with the things that he was saying in his heart, he fell upon. He slipped and fell. No different than you, no different than me. He's a man, he made a mistake. He made them before, obviously. He'll probably make them again. It's the one thing that we have in common. We're all human beings, but we all will make mistakes. We all will miss it. We all will fall short. But we all serve the same God. The same God you serve, I serve here in this place is the same God that he serves right there too. Because in just a little while after Jesus dies and comes back, he comes back looking for Peter. To talk to him about restoration. To talk to him about forgiveness. To talk to him about the next day and the next page in his life. To tell him it's going to be okay. Because see, three, man, three times he denied him, just like Jesus said. And all of a sudden the rooster crows. And all of a sudden he remembers, I've messed up. And it says Peter went out and wept bitterly. I'm sure he left feeling very despondent, because in his heart he didn't want that to happen. See, that kind of person always wants the best. You know, I'm I'm always, I'm always wanting the best. I always want to do the right thing. I always want to be okay. I always want to be in charge. I always want to be in the right. You know, I'm always headed that direction. You have confidence in who you are. We have confidence in who we are in Christ, and the fact that we're, we're we're being led by His Spirit. But we still make mistakes. And I'm not trying to, to, to hound on his mistake, but what I'm trying to do is see that, you know what, he went away weeping bitterly. There's times in our lives where we feel that way too. Man, I missed it. And now for us, we missed it. We know the story. We've got the word. We can read front to back. We, we kind of get the whole picture. We understand we've made a mistake. We understand 1 John 1, 9, that if I repent before him, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. We get that. That wasn't written yet for Peter. There wasn't a rest of the story. Jesus was headed to the cross, and and they were promised a few things, but they didn't understand any of those things. And so here he sat in this place, and he knows that he's trying to do what he can, but he can't. So now all of a sudden he's probably probably depressed. He's he's despondent. He's made these mistakes, and he's messed up. And he has to live with that. I mean, he he has to live with that for a few days here. With that thing eating and gnawing at him. Now thank God we don't have to. Because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk according to the flesh. Don't walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. Romans 8.1 So I don't, have, I don't have to have this beat up thing for a couple days. Why? The Holy Spirit wasn't there yet. The Holy Spirit's here now. So I can, walk, I can walk in the spirit, not the flesh. And so in this place, he doesn't know that yet. But what does Jesus, what does what the Lord begin to speak? If you look in Mark in chapter 16, we said this earlier. We've talked about it already. But, but he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Because Jesus immediately comes back to restore. And he knows Peter needs it. He knows part of who peter is and his personality and all the things that happened and all the stuff that went down in the end He 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 knows that he was impetuous. He knows he acts on that He knows though in that kind of person's life how much they need restoration How much they need love how much they need to know that it's all going to be okay He's already been up and down a little bit with peter But he comes back and he says go tell my disciples and peter go get him go get him go get him now Why is this important because acts is about to happen? And Peter's got to be, he's got to know that he's okay. He's got to know that things are right. He's got to know that it's going to be okay tomorrow. And so Jesus says, go go tell my disciples and tell Peter. And tell Peter and tell Peter and tell Peter. Peter." See, he still loved him despite his failure. He still had a plan for his life and he didn't want to lose him. See, that person, when you're impetuous like that, you begin to say the wrong thing. You begin to get wrong, too wrong. You do the wrong thing too much. You get too far over here. Then then, you, then you're kind of like the dog that goes past the electric fence. Then you don't want to come back. Have you ever been shocked? We did that one time. My mom had an electric fence and her dog, and so we all took turns shocking ourselves. There's, there's I do a lot of crazy things. Sober. I mean, it's amazing. But, uh, I mean... It, it was, uh, my brother Dave, he did it. And he goes, he goes, oh, it's nothing. And so we we're like, really cool. So we were like fighting to see who got to do it next, you know? And so like, I hit myself and that was not nothing. It like lit me up and I, man, it hurt. And I looked at him and said, oh, that was nothing. And he said, well, I couldn't act like you. You wouldn't have done it. Makes sense. But see, that dog that goes through that fence, once they get on that other side, they don't want to come back because they know when they come back that thing's beeping at them. And no matter how bad they want to get home, they don't want to get shocked again. But what Jesus was telling Peter was, you can come on back home because you're not going to get shocked. There ain't no shock on the way back in. See, there's nothing but goodness on the way back in. And so he told Peter that. He wanted him to know that. He wanted him to know that. I've got a plan for you. Because he said in John in chapter 21, with his arm around him after he'd swum in from the boat, he was so excited to see Jesus. He swam in from the boat, put on his tunic and jumped in, and he came, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And we watched the video, so we know what it all went. You know, he said, yes, 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 Lord, I love you, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep, then feed my sheep, then feed my sheep. In other words, you can go do it. It's okay. I've forgiven you. And if you look at the word forgiveness, it says to free from penalty or obligation to grant pardon to or remission of, that it's taken away. He's given you a pardon. It's never happened. You're free and clear. It never went down. I mean, that's what a pardon is. It never happened. When the president pardons you, That's the best thing you can get, because that means it did not happen. It didn't just mean we let you out of jail. That means it never happened. See, you don't just go with your past hanging with you. When that thing goes down, that doesn't happen anymore. You didn't have it. That's, That's real, real, in the world, natural freedom. But see, with God, that's everyday freedom. That's what Jesus died for. That's why it says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And he had to know that. Peter had to know that because now he's, going to, he's been given this second opportunity and this second chance. And they all come and they're sitting there in one place in Acts, waiting just like Jesus said. Now he wasn't impetuous. Now he wasn't running around the block. Now he wasn't going out and dragging people into church. Now he was waiting. He had learned his lesson and he is doing what God said. He's sitting there waiting. And then the Holy Spirit, it says, comes in that place in chapter 2 of Acts. Blows the doors and the walls off the place. All of a sudden, the fire is sitting on everybody's head. They're speaking in tongues, and they're pouring out into the streets, and people are freaking out. Now, see, Pentecost has happened, and the church is about to go. And Jesus said, Peter, Peter, I love you. Feed them. Peter, I love you. You love me? Feed them. Come on, feed them. Go get them, buddy. There's another chance. You're on deck. See, so you may have struck out the last inning, but now we've come back around and it's your turn. You're on deck. Go hit a home run. And wherever you are in your life, if you felt like you've struck out, don't worry. There's still another at bat. Go hit a home run. He told him, you get a second chance, my man. Come on. And then all of a sudden he's in this place. All this stuff is happening. It's all, I'm sure, stirring on the inside of him, just like it stirs on the inside of you when these moments happen. When God puts you in a place and you know it's like, Oh boy. Have you ever been there? You're like, you're in this place and you're praying or you're quiet. Maybe you're at the grocery store, something's going down, and only you can hear it. And it's like a megaphone, man. If it's some, somebody getting on their kid or somebody getting on their wife or somebody saying that they're sick and their bad back is going to keep them down forever and, you know, all that stuff. And, and on the inside, the, you just hear it. And your heart starts beating because God's saying, hey, it's, come on, come on, you're on deck. I need you to get up here, and I need you to hit a home run over here. And you're freaking out. So all of a sudden, like, your heart's like, oh, going. That was Peter. When Jesus was going to the cross, he was in that position, and his heart was beating, and they were all saying, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. He's like, no! Just like we do sometimes. Well, see, this time he didn't do that. This time he got the bat, spit on his hands, and got up there and got ready to go. Because it said in Acts, they were all saying that they were drunk. Everybody was saying, oh, these crazy people are all drunk. They don't know what they're doing. Look at them. But then it says in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. Of course it was Peter. He's always the one stepping out. But this was a moment designed for him. This was a moment. That God had prepared in a place and a time and in an instant in and right there at that time. All of these people's hearts are all prepared. They're all ready. And God says, Go get them, buddy. But I struck out last time. He didn't say that. I can't hit the curveball. Ah, I, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. Come on. Here's the bat. Come on, go get them. And it said he got up and he stood up and he began to speak with his mouth he raised his voice and he said to all of them that were in that place then he read that prophecy out of the book of joel and he spoke it to him right in that place boldly proclaiming what this was not saying okay I, we think we think this is maybe that thing that joel was talking about back you know when he prophesied that we, we were, were thinking about it we think it might be that he didn't say that he stood up and said this is what was written there was conviction in his heart he boldly spoke it and stated it no different than you should no different than i should when god puts it in your heart to do it when your time comes to get up to bat don't be looking around the dugout for a pinch hitter grab your bat get up there i don't have my cleats on today that's all right you can knock it out in sandals that's all they wore they didn't have nikes on they were all wearing sandals and he still took it out of the park See, but he did it boldly. He stood up and he raised his voice. Now, how many people were saved? 3,000 people got saved that day. He didn't even have to have an altar call. They screamed back at him, what do I have to do to be saved? If this is true, then I want it. What do I do? That's like the fish jumping into the boat. I mean, you don't even have to cast out the thing. They're like all coming in the boat with you. And then he turns around, and as soon as that gets done, it says in chapter 3, there's a lame man sitting there at the temple called Beautiful. And if you go and you read and you look through there, and you don't have to put it on the screen or anything, but it says, this guy saw Peter and John about to go in, and he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said. See, he had John with him, but who's the one who said? Peter said. Peter said. See, now he's boldly beginning to proclaim, not the craziness, not the denying Christ, not those things. Now the Holy Spirit's alive on the inside of him. He has learned his lesson. He understands he has a second chance at the bat. So now he's going to hit a home run every time he gets up, not worrying about striking out. It said, Peter said to the man, silver and gold, I don't have. Because he told the boy, look at us. And he said, silver and gold, we don't have, but such that we have, I give you. And he transfers that power into that young man's life and pulls him up. And off he goes jumping and shouting and screaming through the hallways. But it says he said, he spoke, he told the boy, look up here. I don't have what you need, but I do have what you truly need. But now he's boldly proclaiming the truth. He already understands this restoration thing. Jesus has took him, taken him aside and said, I love you, I love you, I love you. You love me, you love me, you love me. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He takes him aside and he tells him that. So now Peter knows, this is my opportunity to feed the sheep. And off he goes. And then, then he gets in trouble because he does this thing and then everybody starts freaking out on him. Now, I'm sure there's like, it's like half, half, it's got to be like half pandemonium in the natural because 3,000 people just got saved. This guy who could not walk is now walking, jumping around, telling people and singing. They're all going, whoa, what is this? And so then just like about any good move of God, the enemy comes and tries to squelch things that are going on. And how does he do that? He tries to get you to shut your trap. Doesn't care if you go to church. Doesn't care if you go gather in somebody's house. Doesn't care if you go do something in the four of you or the ten of you or the twelve of you. But don't, shh, don't go telling everybody else. See, that's what the enemy says. Don't tell them, oh, shh, it's okay. Somebody else will tell them. See, that's what I, when I'm in Walmart pushing my cart and God says to talk to that person, I say, yeah, somebody else, God says to somebody else. i got to buy creamer. No, I mean, you're thinking about butter and eggs and the things you've got to get, man. You're not thinking about getting somebody saved at Walmart. But this wasn't a church service where Peter stood up and 3,000 people got saved. This wasn't a church service where this guy got healed. It was just him walking into this place at the, at, the, at the temple at the gate. And he did it right there. It didn't say they sang first. It didn't say they had to take the offering. It didn't say all those things had to go down. This was just in a place where they were, the Spirit of God was, and somebody who needed it, and then they just made the connection. But he spoke. And then all the people that came against them then, as you go back and you read through here, they all start talking. Hey, you know what? Could, could you just do us a favor and just not talk about Jesus? Could you just kind of just, you know, you can go about your ways. Everybody knows. Everybody knows you were with him. And, and, and I mean, it's obvious because you two are like Neanderthals. And, and that's what it says. They're untrained and unskilled men. You know, and they were just fishermen. They were just big guys that just fished. And they said, we understand, you know, you're kind of untrained, you know, but you've been with him. You've been with Jesus. And they said, listen, folks, you're the ones who killed him, not us. You're the ones who did this. You're the ones who started this. You're the reason that he's dead. And now he's dead and he's risen again. We have the Holy Spirit alive on us. And you want us not to proclaim the things that we know are true? You want us to not proclaim what we see, what we've known, what we've felt, what we've lived these last bunch of years? I mean, you know, he was only here doing these things for three years, and we were with him all of that time, seeing them, being a part of them. We've touched people, and they've been healed, and we've seen people's lives change, and we've fed 5,000. We've done all those things. We've seen it all happen, yet you want us not to say anything? You want us to sit quietly here and just go about our business? We can't do that, Peter said. Peter's the one who took the lead. He's the one who spoke. He said, yeah, yeah, that's nice, but we can't do that. Sorry, sir, I have to proclaim what I know is the truth. I have to proclaim what I've seen and what I've felt. I have to proclaim what I know is right. And I can't let you tell me when and where I can do that. I must have the leading of the Holy Spirit. He said, God is the one who leads and guides me and tells me what I'm supposed to say. And I must respond to him and not you. Whether you kill me, whether you leave me, whether you string me up, whatever that is. Just like he said back in, the, in Luke. Just like he said before the restoration. He said, if I have to die for you, I will. That moment came and he chickened out. But the second time they said they had the power to do those things to him. He said, I, I, I can't. I don't even care what you do to me. I, I'm going to speak the truth. And then they all went, oh man. Well, what are we going to do? Because the people know this is true. The people know this happened. And they even, they let them go. They said, okay, well, you guys can go ahead and go. But please, just don't talk about Jesus. I'm sure they went out and said, Jesus! On their way out, I would have, you know, you know us. I mean, we're going to like, Jesus! <laughs> Jesus to you! I mean, we would have been taught them a little. I don't think they probably did, but that's just maybe us nowadays. But it said they went out, and they gathered with their friends, and they told all those people what was going on. And then they got together, and they began to proclaim That Jesus was Lord. They began to proclaim the goodness of God. They began to say how wonderful it was. And then it said, you know what? Let's pray. Let's all gather together. Let's hold hands. And let's get in one accord. And let's pray that God grants us boldness to speak his name, Jesus, everywhere that we go. Not that we get chicken. Not that we get afraid. Peter said, let's all get together. And I pray that we can speak that name with more boldness than we ever have before. And you can follow the exploits. You know, as he goes from there to there to there, I mean, it's just, it all started to happen because he boldly proclaimed the truth. He didn't back down again. He did. He did in Luke. He did deny three times. But there was restoration. And he balked when God told him, go to the Gentiles. If you go to a couple more chapters in Acts, you're going to go to the Gentiles and talk to them. And he's like, oh, come on, man, no. <laughs> They're not clean. You know, I mean, it was all, of you know, come on, God. And he said, go. He said, all right. I'm not going to go down that other track. I'll put up a small fight here. But I, I, okay, done. And he went to Cornelius' house. And he said what God said to say. Now, here's the deal. What can we learn and what can can we see from this? What comes out of your mouth matters. Because you sit in this place and because you, you, you say that I'm a believer... You say, God is alive on the inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is my Lord and He's my Savior. That that puts you in a position... That puts you in a place, that that puts a responsibility on your life. you're, You're saying just what Pastor Pam said at the offering. Sir, I am here, and I am a steward of all you've given me. Not just my finances, sir, but the life in which you've entrusted me to live on this earth. I'm just a steward. So you will lead me, and you will guide me. I will give of myself everywhere that I go, however that is at my job, or with my family, or with my friends, or in my church. You have my undivided attention, and I will be who you call me to be with everything that's on the inside of me. Knowing that if I give everything that I am, you will replenish to me. Whether it's my time, my money, all of those things, my wisdom. If you put what God's speaking to you today, go speak to somebody tomorrow. Too many of us are waiting for God to tell us a good word. And He's already given you 15 of them. You haven't given to anybody yet. And your library's full. You only got like an eight gig iPod in your head. And you got eight and a half gig where the message in there. You can't put anything else on there unless you go give some to somebody. Boldly proclaim the truth out of the abundance of the heart it says in matthew 12 34 the mouth speaks now if you are a little impetuous you have a little bit of that in you and i think some of us you know more than we would probably admit have a little bit of that in us when things go bad or you hit your hand with a hammer and what comes out you know when you're in a situation and stuff's going bad and the kids are acting crazy and the dog's barking and the cat's running around and things just aren't happening what comes out of your mouth the tube of toothpaste right when you're squeezed What's on the inside comes out. When you squeeze that, steak sauce doesn't come out. Toothpaste comes out. I learned that. Pastor Bill taught us for years. That when you squeeze, whatever's on the inside comes out is the word on the inside. See, because when Jesus was squeezed, when he, went into the, when he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, he was tempted there. But in Matthew chapter 4, 4, Matthew chapter 4, 7, and Matthew chapter 4, 10, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. When he was squeezed, when he was tempted, when he was challenged, when the enemy came at Jesus, I mean Satan himself, came to Jesus, he responded with the word. So what makes us think that as believers, when, when he's presenting himself to us with a thought or with a thing or with a situation or with a circumstance, how could we ever believe? that we could come up with something that would that would dispute that that lie that would get it off of us if jesus used the word how could we use anything else he's our example for everything and he responded with the word every time so we need to know the word we need to understand what it is so that when we speak that comes out death and life are in the power of the tongue proverbs eighteen twenty twenty one. 21 Eighteen twenty says the what you speak basically you like to eat so if you're speaking nasty stuff you must like to eat sewer garbage because that's what you're doing but if you like twinkies you say nice stuff and you eat twinkies it's basically you know same kind of thing twinkies with no calories that's what it is i know it says in proverbs you know as a man thinks in his heart so is he but as you think you also speak and as you think and speak you also do See, that's that combination of those three things. These guys, Gideon, and, and you take Peter, and you take, you take David, and they, they may be out of order a little bit because Gideon was the thinker. David was the guy who was in position and kind of being the action to the thing, and Peter was the guy who was boldly proclaiming. So it was the thinking, it was the speaking, and it was the doing there as all those things came together. In your life, it's the same thing. Make sure you're speaking the word of God. He always performs his word. Jeremiah 1.12 says he, he looks around to and fro seeking how, how and whom and where he can perform his word. I mean, he wants to. That's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to sit on his hands. He wants to perform his word. But if we don't get an agreement through our thoughts and through our mouth, then how can he perform anything? I'm sure he wanted Peter to do all these things and to be correct, but he knew what was going to happen. And so when it happened, then he was right there for him when it messed up. Just like he is with us. Talk the solution, not the problem. If you want to know what to say and you're not sure today and you go, I don't know, I don't really know. Talk the solution, not the problem. It's really easy to talk about the problem, because immediately you start thinking right now, when I say, talk the solution, not the problem, our first thought is, man, what could I say? But if I said, talk the problem and not the solution, we'd be shouting everybody down. Because you know, I mean, you know what that, you know what the problem is, but what's the solution? God will give it to you. He'll give it to you in scripture. He'll give it to you in song. He'll give it to you by the spirit of God. He'll be speaking those things to you. It says, if you're not sure what to do, ask, seek, and knock in Matthew. It says, ask. He'll give, according, he'll give to you liberally. It says, if you, don't, if you don't know wisdom, ask God for it in James. And when he gives it to you, that's what you speak. That's what comes out. Always, always speak the, the eternal, not the temporal. Don't speak what you see. I'm a product of somebody speaking better of me than I was. And I'm sure many of you as well. I, didn't, I, I was not what they spoke of me in the natural, but I am today what they spoke of me when I wasn't in the natural. You call those things as not as if they are. The things that you see with your eyes, the things that you see in the natural, those things are temporary. They're subject to change. Your children, your mate, your friends, your, all of those things, your situations are subject to change. Begin to speak the change. Ask God what he has for you to say about your children. Ask him. Then write those things down. And then boldly proclaim the truth. What's the truth? What you think or what he told you? Well, obviously, what he told you. Then proclaim that. That's it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't get done and then say, but if. Just this is what God said. That's is what I do. Confess by faith. Because these things happen by faith. You don't see by these eyes, we see by the eyes of faith. Second Corinthians five seven. I walk according to my faith, not according to what I see. That way you can you're always speaking out of the Spirit. You're always you're always proclaiming what God would have you proclaim. Not what you always see, but what you know in your heart you want to see. It's about your children. It's a, we do it all the time with an unborn baby on the inside in the womb You sit around and talk to that baby all the time like they can hear you and do all those kind of things Now there's tests and things that they kind of do and all that, but but you're speaking into that life Before it's ever born into this earth You're saying hello and this is mommy and this is daddy and this is your brother and you're talking to it and You're speaking to it. You've got dreams. You've got things in your heart. You've got stuff like that You're pregnant with those kind of dreams in your spirit speak to them Speak to them today so that when they come out, they know who they are. You can do that. Speak your desires, John fifteen seven. If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask what you desire and you shall have it. But it also says in, in, in 1 John, it says uh, when, you, when you ask, you have to ask according to his will. So what happens, what I have found, is as I, as I turn my life over to him, my desires become his desires. And I'm not asking for a million dollars anymore. I'm asking for God for a provision today so that I can do what God called me to do today. I've done that. I've prayed for a million dollars. I've prayed and said, God, if we could just give, give like a million dollars just send me a big Ed McMahon check, we'd be all right. He knows I'd probably be in Bermuda somewhere hanging out on the beach in flip-flops. Have a satellite church. <laughs> what do we say? Oh, I'd tithe on. Well, now we've got a problem, but I gave it to you. Do you not think I'll give it to you tomorrow? Do you not think I'll take care of you then? Continue to speak the truth. Continue to speak your desires and realize and know that, the, 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 seeds that you, the seeds that you're planting, your words are like seeds. In Galatians 6, you know, it says that, that whatever you sow to the Spirit reaps everlasting life. Trees with Twinkies and just, just luscious. Don't buy me a bunch of Twinkies either. I'm on a diet. I'm doing really good. So don't mess with me. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. So no Twinkies. Tree full of rice cakes. And bottles of water hanging from this luscious tree. But the seeds that you sow to the flesh, they reap corruption. It is full of Twinkies and Diet Coke cans. And all those things that bring us down that we long for sometimes in the natural. (laughs) I'm real. That's who I am. I'm rice, cakes, and water now. I'll be back. But listen here, think about this. For the last few days, cuz you can remember, you know the words that you're speaking and saying over your life, over your situation, over your kids, over your maid, over your job. The words that you're saying over your country and your leaders. The Bible says don't don't sit there and talk bad about President Obama. No matter the job he's doing or how you feel like he's doing in your heart, you got to know God God says in his word that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. So, you pray not that he gets some kind of wicked disease. You pray that God blesses him and that his heart changes and he walks a righteous walk and that he is a righteous man of God who's living according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the same thing for you in your life. Because, see, old, what, now, is that what you want? See, you want all those good fruit. Think about what you've been saying because your field's full of that. You know, if you said good things about your kids, about your job, about your stuff. Or has it been a little rough? Just correct it. Just correct it. Tonight, that's all we're going to do. We're just going to think about what we were, and we're going we're gonna to change. Because it's easy to change. Peter changed. Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't, like, mold him into something else. He just said, I love you. You're forgiven, basically. Do you love me? Yep. Then feed my sheep. Go get them, buddy. He, that was it. First John says, you ask forgiveness. You say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I've messed up. He says, you go. Man, you You go free as it never happened in your life again. So let's stand up together and let's pray.